Welcome to episode 17 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, Chuck Norris. All this and that's about it. Wait, wait, what? You think you can just say Chuck Norris? And you're going to have an awesome show. Today is going to be awesome. But if you want to know what else is on this show, we will have information on trail reports. The top five list will feature our bucket list. The Summit Gear Review will feature a 10-gram way to rehydrate your own do-it-yourself meals. Backpack Hack of the Week, you'll learn how to make your own dehydrated meal without a dehydrator. For the Backpackers Q&A, we'll show you an easy way to take care of water on the trail. And we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from someone who always thinks things through very thoroughly. All this and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. Okay, so what about Chuck Norris? Today is his 75th birthday. And not only that, but his birthday also happens to coincide with International Day of Awesomeness. What a coincidence. Extreme coincidence. I, how did that even happen? How did he know to be born on that day? Just incredible. Over time, a lot of people have really overblown the abilities of Chuck Norris, and a lot of the information on the internet is just untrue. So we thought we'd set the record straight today and share some true facts about Chuck Norris. He was born March 10th, 1940 in Ryan, Oklahoma. And what may be of interest to backpackers, Chuck Norris is the only person on record to have started a fire by rubbing two ice cubes together. At the tender age of seven, Chuck Norris got bitten by a rattlesnake and after three days of pain and agony, the rattlesnake finally died. Well, as long as we're setting the record straight, um, I also wanted to put out there that Chuck Norris doesn't get struck by lightning. Lightning gets struck by Chuck Norris. That's incredible. I'm, I'm really glad that we could set the record straight on some of this stuff. So what better way to celebrate International Day of Awesomeness and Chuck Norris's 75th birthday than to do something awesome? Well, since he was born in Oklahoma... I'm thinking a through hike of Oklahoma would be awesome. If you do it in the panhandle, south to north, it's only 36 miles. <laughs> we can handle that. Oh, yeah. Oklahoma actually does have some great outdoor spots. In fact, I have a picture sitting here in my office uh, that I got from my friend Joe, and uh, he took the picture in Oklahoma at Turner Falls, which is tied for first place as the tallest waterfall in Oklahoma at 77 feet. So how do you find an awesome trail? A simple internet search can get you one step closer to your next day hike or backpacking trip. And the easiest way to get started is by typing trail reports, backpacking, and then just name your state. So for example, I searched for trail reports, backpacking, Oklahoma. And the reason I put backpacking in there is because sometimes you'll find trail reports for a day hike. And if you're looking for a backpacking trip, sometimes those day hike spots won't allow people to spend the night. So you'll want to make sure to, to put backpacking in your search. And after a while, you'll get familiar with the best resources for that area. So, uh, for example, 
If you're in Oregon, it's Portland Hikers. If you're in Washington, it's the Washington Trail Association and so on. So there's probably kind of that best site for many areas. Yeah, for Oklahoma, I stumbled across a site called bestoklahomatrails.com. And and it has Oklahoma divided up into different regions. So if I click on the southeast region of Oklahoma, it shows a great list of hikes. So at this point, when I see that list, I can start doing some sleuthing to find out if a trail is simply a day hike or if it's backpackable. I actually contacted Larry Floyd from bestoklahomatrails.com. He's one of the authors of the book Oklahoma Hiking Trails, and he told me that the first seven hikes from the Piney region were part of the 46-mile Wachita National Recreation Trail, and that that area was backpackable. Well, that does sound more awesome than my through-hike of the Panhandle. I'm guessing there's a total elevation change of maybe 10 feet. I bet you'd find some friendly rattlesnakes out there. Probably would. All right. And farmers. Yeah. (laughs) So I I think your uh, Wachita Trail idea is a better, more awesome idea. (laughs) Well, as soon as I started to kind of find a few trails that looked interesting, from there, I would narrow it down to find trails that matched my ability level, the desired length, and manageable terrain. And the one that I found that was really intriguing that even had some historical background was called Horse Thief Springs on the Wachita National Recreation Trail. It's about 11 miles. I found out trail conditions, features along the trail, warnings, or friendly advice, and those were all from folks who'd recently taken the trail. Another great place to check for more information on trails is YouTube. A lot of times people will take along their camera and shoot video on the trail, and that's a wonderful resource for being able to see what a trail or an area looks like in a particular season. Of course, if you have access to hiking or backpacking books, those are a fabulous resource just to get an idea of the quintessential hikes or backpacking trips in your area. So I like this idea of taking a combination, actually, of the backpacking books because they do a nice job of highlighting the best places but then jumping online and getting the trail reports because the trail reports are going to be much more recent. I mean, you'll find a trail report from last week, perhaps, that has the latest up-to-date conditions on the trail. And so I guess you just have to remember the backpacking books could be a few years out of date and, you know, nature changes and the trail reports may be more up-to-date. On the other hand, the trail reports are, you know, written by humans And so they could have inaccuracies. They could remember the mileage wrong. Uh, They could remember some of the details wrong. And so it's putting that combination together, I think, that's, that's really good. Make sure you get good data about the trail but those, uh, those trail reports are really nice to get the latest information. And just remember, wherever you're looking at going, get multiple resources and uh, that'll give you a really good picture of of what it's going to be like. Since we're talking about awesomeness today, we have our top five list and it's our top five bucket list trails for the first 40 miles. Now, do you know what a bucket list is? Oh yeah. I mean, before you kick the bucket, this is the stuff that you want to have accomplished. Yeah. What's at the top of your list? Well, I picked the Wonderland Trail. Uh, for my number one bucket list trail. Because first of all, I love the name and I love the mountain. The Wonderland Trail goes around Mount Rainier and I grew up at the feet of Mount Rainier. 
on a beautiful, clear day, it took over the city. Like it was just something you could not miss. It was so beautiful. In fact, I worked in a building in downtown uh, Bellevue and there was a conference room called the Rainier Room. And I always wondered why it was called that until one day I walked into the conference room and all I could see was Mount Rainier. It was incredible. The whole time that I had worked there, Mount Rainier had been hiding and basically shrouded by clouds until that one clear, perfect, beautiful day. So it was always my mountain growing up, and uh, I would love to do a section of the Wonderland Trail. The number two bucket list trail would have to be an international trail, and I'll go with the Oat Route. And if you're unfamiliar with this trail, it looks like Hout route, if you're looking yeah. at it like an American, but I guess you don't pronounce the H, so it's out route. And it's 10 days of hiking from Mont Blanc to the Matterhorn. It's pretty strenuous, and you really, you pound out the miles. And you're going to go through wildflowers, you'll see massive glaciers, and some really beautiful crystal clear lakes. And that's in Switzerland, which is, by the way, where our last name Legler came from. So I'd love to go check it out with you. On alpenwild.com, they actually offer a self-guided tour. So it includes transportation from the airport, accommodations, most meals are prearranged and prepaid, and then you get the detailed route directions. And then if anything goes wrong, you have a local phone contact with Alpenwild um, with a guide in case of an emergency. So if you're just wanting to dip your toe into international backpacking, this would be a good way to go. I think I'd be a lot more comfortable with this kind of international backpacking where things are a little more taken care of, uh-huh. where it's not such a survival situation, but you really are going just to enjoy the flowers and the glaciers and the that beauty and your you mean you get a front row seat to the Matterhorn. That's incredible. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. So we'll provide the link in the show notes for Alpenwild also. The number three bucket list trail for us would be any section of the Appalachian Trail. It's such an iconic, historic trail that it would be great just to have the AT experience. AT is in Appalachian Trail, not Arizona Trail, just so you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Uh, we lived in upstate New York for a few years, so that would be a lot of fun. You know, that's one section that I'd be really interested in going uh, up through the Adirondacks. The number four bucket list trail for me would have to be Mount Hood to Mount Jefferson. Now, uh, my first foray into backpacking was going on the Timberline Trail around Mount Hood. So as I stood at the base of Mount Hood and looked out, I could see Mount Jefferson and that's 47 miles. It's something that's doable in a week and it's just a beautiful view. It just looks like you'd be walking straight through a thick forest from one mountain to another mountain. The number five bucket list trail that we'd like to do is the trail that we just mentioned last week. So basically any part of that newly finished Arizona trail in the spring. The part that we talked about last week was the Gabe Zimmerman trail. And um, I have not really planned a lot of backpacking trips in my life. So it was really fun to plan that one and um, to imagine what it would be like and to do all the research. And now that I've planned it, It's on my bucket list. I'd love to go to the Arizona Trail in the spring. And I think that brings out something interesting, which is that if you start to really look into a place and get to know it and research it, 
your desire to go there grows. And pretty soon, yeah, it's on your bucket list because you feel so connected to it, even though you haven't been there and, and you want to go and you want to see it. And I, I haven't done a lot of uh, desert backpacking in my life, but uh, it'd be fun to go there, especially after you've researched it out and have that experience. So I know this is a top five list, but if you could add your own. Yeah, if I was to customize the list for myself, I would like to add Yellowstone to the list. So many people go to Yellowstone and stay within a mile of a road, but Yellowstone is huge. And I'm just really curious, like, I know how amazing it is at all the places that the roads go to, but what is the rest of Yellowstone like? What else is hiding out there that hardly anyone ever sees because they don't leave the road? So a backpacking trip of Yellowstone would be just really cool to have on the list. Other than that, you know, any other foreign location, I, I think like there'd be some really fun spots in Asia, for example, that w would be just a completely different experience. So that's, that's how I would tweak the list for, for myself. I love it. Let's start planning. Okay. <laughs> Today on the Summit Gear Review, we'll be reviewing the Boogenhead Packham's Food Pouches. They're basically reusable food bags that are a little bit sturdier and tougher than the traditional sandwich bag. And you can rehydrate your food in this bag. They have gusseted bottoms, so your meal can stand up while you're preparing it. And you can also add boiling water directly to this bag without the bag wilting or withering. I know Ziploc bags are somewhat awkward in that department, so I, I think that this really solves a problem on the trail. And even a plastic peanut butter jar gets warped, e even though it's a lot thicker than these head bags. It just gets completely deformed when you pour boiling water into it. These bags cost $9.99 for two pouches. That's one large and one small. The large bag will hold three cups, and it weighs only 10 grams, and the smaller bag will hold about half that and weighs about half that. They're BPA, PVC, and phthalate-free, and they come in a pack of two, so there's a small one and a large one. And they're not watertight or airtight, but they're perfect for holding a dehydrated meal while you're rehydrating it. To get an idea of what the plastic is like, it's kind of a mix between a Ziploc bag and a hard-sided plastic container. In fact, this is what it sounds like. And then instead of having a zip top closure, it actually has a Velcro closure, but it's not that hook and loop Velcro. It's a different kind of Velcro called press lock. And this is what it sounds like. So it's meant to hold food, but it's not watertight or airtight. But the gusseted bottom is really what makes it perfect for preparing those instant meals that you bring along or for having a snack bag that stands up like a bowl, but weighs less than a bowl. So the large bag measures 6 by 6.5 inches, and the small bag measures 4 by 6.5 inches. They're top rack dishwasher safe, so you can wash them when you get home, or you can just wash them on the trail with soap and warm water. Just make sure that you don't wash the bags in a stream or near your campsite. You never want to wash things out in a stream or near your campsite because you don't want to contaminate the water that you know, someone's pumping downstream, and uh, you don't want to leave bits of food in your campsite. Even if you're leaving the camp that day, someone else is coming in the next night, and you want to make sure to leave it just as clean as you found it. I guess maybe the way to look at this is uh, as a replacement for a bowl. 
you wouldn't need to bring the bowl. You'd have these bags instead, which are a lot more compact than a bowl would be. Well, they also have another interesting feature. Because the zip top isn't airtight or watertight, if you were going to rehydrate something like pasta or rice and you wanted to drain off the water, you just zip the bag closed and the water will just drain right off when you're done. Or if you're rehydrating your meal, then the steam can escape so it's not going to puff up. Exactly. But yeah. it keeps keeps the heat in pretty well, you know, as opposed to a bowl, which is just going to be open and it's going to lose a lot of heat. So that's a that's a nice advantage. Well, I love how they stand up. I love that they're lightweight and I love that they're sturdy. And just for my own personal taste, I love the orange and lime green chevron design on the front. So they definitely won't get lost in your pack. You're probably not going to find these at an outdoor store. So we will put the link in the show notes. All right. So let's put these boogin head bags to work. Do you have a recipe that we could prepare? that would work really well to rehydrate in one of these bags. I do. So this week's backpack hack of the week, we have loaded baked potato soup. And once you put the dry ingredients together, it's just add water and wait for 10 minutes and you have a delicious, hearty, high calorie, great textured soup. So you'll need one fourth cup of potato shreds and you can either find those in the bulk section of a grocery store or you can find them by the mashed potato flakes. Sometimes they're sold as hash browns and they'll be all dehydrated. You'll need two tablespoons of Neato whole milk powder. You'll find that in the Hispanic food section. Then one fourth cup mashed potato flakes, two tablespoons of real bacon bits, and you'll find that in the salad dressing aisle. And please don't buy the bacon bacon or the those soy little bits that are bright red. Just buy the real bacon bits. Yeah, because you're backpacking, what you really want is the calorie-dense foods. You want the real deal. And then you'll need a teaspoon of dehydrated chives, and you'll find that in the spice aisle. Because potatoes just need lots of salt to taste delicious, you're going to want to add salt and pepper on the trail. You can take those little tiny salt packets with you, or you can add about an eighth of a teaspoon to this recipe before you go. Then you'll store all the ingredients in a small zip-top sandwich baggie. When you're ready to rehydrate, just pour the contents of the plastic bag into the Boogan Head Packham food pouch and add one cup of boiling water and seal the top of the pouch. After about 10 minutes, it should be ready to eat and uh, probably hot enough to burn your tongue, so be careful. <laughs> Well, that sounds great. Well, we have another question for our Backpackers Q&A from a fictitious listener, Dale in Florida. Wait, he's not from Oklahoma? Oh, I mean Dale from Oklahoma. Oh, awesome. Dale from Oklahoma says, I know it shouldn't be that hard, but the thought of pumping water or adding tablets or drops to purify my water kind of stresses me out. Is there an idiot-proof way to get fresh drinking water on the trail? P.S. I am not an idiot. Thank you, Dale in Oklahoma. Why, yes, there is an easy way to take care of water on the trail. Just drink it. <laughs> well, you know, the, there have been a few select times when I'm out hiking that I have not filtered or, or in any way purified water. And it was this beautiful, idyllic Wednesday morning. Everything was perfect that morning, 
And as we were hiking along, we came across this spring with a, a great little stream coming out of it. And because I could see the source of the spring right there in front of me, I just took that water unfiltered, unpurified. And I got to say, it was just amazing water. I loved it. It was the perfect temperature as well. I mean, everything was perfect that day. And so I, I took the risk. And the other time that I can think of was a similar sort of situation. It was where I could see the spring right there. Now, I don't know if there's any, you know, science to back me up, but there are those times when I'll just take the water right out of the spring and it just looks so good and it tastes so good. But yeah, most of the time you got to do something to, uh, to protect yourself. Yeah, I would say drinking right out of the spring isn't exactly an idiot-proof option. So we have a couple ideas <laughs> for Dale in Oklahoma that are uh, pretty much idiot-proof. The first option is the vapor microfilter. Basically, you scoop up the water and then you put the filter with the cap attached into the liter container and you have automatic filtration. You don't have to pre-filter. You don't have to um, add any tablets or anything. You basically just scoop up the water, put the lid on and drink. And same thing with the Sawyer Mini. Um, you basically just screw the Sawyer Mini onto whatever bottle you have scooped up your water with and you have an automatic way to drink water that is instantly filtered. So both of these filters then, if I understand correctly, uh, the idea is that you just fill up your water container and then the filter operates when you take the water out of the container, like drink it, you drink it through the filter, basically. There is a little bit of a trick to filtering or treating water. And so if you're not ready to take that next step and figure out kind of all those little tricks, the vapor microfilter and the Sawyer Mini are really great idiot-proof options. Another option out there is the life straw. And when we go out with our kids backpacking this month, we're going to uh, be outfitting them with life straws so that they'll be able to just scoop up water from the stream and then basically suck it through a straw and they don't have to worry about tablets or any kind of pumping. So that'll be a good option for them. I have a Katadyne Hiker water filter, which is kind of the old standby of uh, filters. You'll see a lot of people carrying these. It's a pump style filter. You've got the hose that you dip into the water source and then the other outlet hose that you put into your water container and then you, you pump it through. And so, yeah, like I say, you'll see a lot of people with uh, that style of filter on the trail. Uh, but these are a few good and fairly new options that you might want to take a look at if you're going out to buy a filter. So go ahead and look at the Katadyne filters, but then check out the Vapor Microfilter, the Sawyer Mini, and even the Life Straw, and take your pick. So we'll have links to everything in the show notes on thefirst40miles.com slash 017. If you want your question answered on The First 40 Miles, message us on Facebook or Twitter, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show preferential treatment given to folks from Oklahoma. Okay. And just as a side note, we don't get sponsored by any products or manufacturers. So everything we share with you on the show is just from our personal experience. Uh, sometimes we do get products uh, sent to us, uh, but other than that, we don't have any uh, commitments to any particular manufacturers, just sharing uh, what works for us and letting you know about what's out there. 
All right, we'll leave you with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Henry David Thoreau. Oh, the guy who's very thorough. Got it. That's a dad joke, isn't it? Yeah, probably. <laughs> you should have you should have done that. You should have said that joke. I'll, I'll save that one. I'll I'll spring it on the kids. Oh, they'll love it. Oh yeah, yeah. Here's what he said. I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life, and see if I could not learn what it had to teach, and not when I came to die discover that I had not lived. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, write up a little review on iTunes. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. We'll talk about the essentials, how to light the... Oops. This comes from fictitious... <laughs> we can always do happy birthday, Chuck Norris. Happy birthday to you. Just that. Let's do that. Okay.